Everybody ready to go? <laughs> nope. Totally nope. not ready. Go ahead. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> It's talking about news with BHIS. This is Ryan. I'm doing MC again this week. And I've got with me a handful of people that you can now see. And some veterans. We've got Mubix back and Derek. And of course, Dale, Noah, and Jeffrey from our rookie crew. We're all here to talk about... I don't know. What we, does anything happen at all that might be interesting? I I think it's been a pretty uh, quiet week in cybersecurity, as far as I've heard. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it depends on your definition of quiet. Think, you know, we have this uh, really cool story about the uh, "catch me if you can" guy may have made up everything that uh, he made a movie about. So Frank Abagnale. Frank Abagnale. Yeah. Oh, I'm not sharing that. Frank I got to share that. Junior. I could turn it back on. Here we go. So we'll start with that. I'm going to bury the lead. <laughs> we'll start with this. So if anybody remembers the movie, catch me if you can. It was a great movie. It was a great movie. It still is a good movie. Yeah, it was but a great movie. Yeah. Everything in the movie is complete BS. As a, Are we sure about that? Or is that like just an opine from this person? Like well, the, the article says, if I remember it correctly, that uh, people who know... Frank Ab, Ab, Abigail, 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 said he made it all up. They, uh, he never did those things that he said he did. And uh, some people dig some, did some digging and could not find any real evidence of this stuff. So it's possible that nothing was as it seems. I mean, I find it hard to believe that a guy who got an entire movie made about him conning his way through a bunch of stuff could be just possibly making it up. That just seems awfully far-fetched. You would think that they would do some some verifying on this story. But maybe not. <laughs> well, it could also be typical Hollywood. You know, there's the embellished just more than normal. storytelling. We always take... We being Hollywood always take the... I forget the phrases. Artistic liberty, I think that's what you're thinking of. Yes, that's that's the one. Uh, everything is I mean, based on true events, but a lot of it's made up anyway, so I guess it doesn't matter that none of this was real. Yeah, it's still a good movie. It has cool actors and actresses. It also has re- really good storytelling. The fact that you have Tom Hanks in it just makes it impossibly good automatically. Mm-hmm. Like, there's... Uh, like I don't care. Like if he made it all up, I really don't care. He made a lot of money on it. Good for him. You know, did it hurt anybody? I don't think so. Yeah, there are many any, many facets of that movie that even if they didn't actually happen, were absolutely plausible and could actually happen. Which you know just raised the interest about you know. I mean, basically, his entire background for that movie was basically driven around SE or social engineering. So basically, he brought visual you know a lot of visibility to that aspect. And a lot of people start thinking mm-hmm. about it because of that movie. Ahead of his time, maybe? Yeah. It's all a story, anyhow, and it's still a good story. So we're bearing the lead to, of course, everybody's talking about gas prices. What? 
What's going on with gas prices? What happened with gas? What's up, what's yeah, gas? what's up with gas? Well, we've got, we being BHIS, tomorrow we've got a webcast that we're going to talk about this in, I assume, great detail. Um, FBI did just publish a statement. Well, this is from yesterday. Do you guys get this, this very short podcast out same day? For the podcast, it takes a day or two. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're probably watching the webcast right now. Then the the uh, YouTube stuff stays online. So once once right. we start live, yeah. it stays there. That's okay. immediate. But uh, yeah, if you're listening to the podcast, that event may have already happened, and you can go find that on YouTube. So originally on May May ninth, twenty twenty one, the FBI was notified of a network distru- disruption in the Colonial Pipeline. Right. And you took it away, so now I can't read it. Oh, you're reading <laughs> off the screen. Okay. There you go. Uh, on May 7th, we were working closely with the company and our government partners, which basically means, like, we just we just found out about it. Mm-hmm. May 10th, the FBI confirms that DarkSide ransomware is responsible for the compromise of the Colonial uh, Pipeline networks. Wait. Did they... They didn't class- clarify that. The FBI confirms that the dark side ransomware is responsible for the compromise. Okay, for the compromise of the Colonial Pipeline networks, and we continue to work with the company and our government partners in on the investigation. Isn't ransomware really a symptom of a compromise, not really a compromise in and of itself? Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, all, but- um, actually, 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 it really depends on what regulatory body you're talking about. Because I know from an internal perspective, talking to auditors, certain regulatory bodies. Do consider ransomware a data, an actual breach oh, no, of the no. network? While you'll talk to yeah, another, no, and they I, don't. I, I, I get that. What I'm saying is, is to drop the ransomware, you would actually have to compromise the network, which really wouldn't be with the ransomware, right? And I'm nitpicking. I, I get it, right? But, no, no, no. Like but I mean, they yeah. didn't compromise it with the ransomware. At least I don't know. Maybe I don't understand how it works, but I'm thinking that there's more to it. There's always more to it, right? But uh, at the Wait, end of the I, day, I can't use ransomware know? to hack websites. I can't use I mean, ransomware to hack websites. I can't use ran- yeah. ransomware. <sighs> I, I hear Tracer T is all the rage, man. <laughs> yeah. So I, does anybody know? I Actually, I took the weekend off from like all news and things outside of like, it was really nice. And yeah. look, this happens. I won't do that again. Sorry, everyone. Oh, so it's your fault. Yeah. So the, are you dark side? <laughs> no, Tell me true. No, are no, you dark I took, side? But I took the weekend off, right? So, I mean, yeah. But yeah, no, I'm not. Actually, you're the second person today who asked me that. That's funny. <laughs> Maybe I should start worrying. But does anybody know, is the pipeline back up? Did they fix it yet? It's not up now. As last I heard, I think it's supposed to be back up by the end of the week is what they said earlier today. Oh, that does def- definitely means that gas is not going to get cheaper. I believe there's already been gas price increases. That, that's significant. No, that's earlier, but... So I haven't looked yeah. too far into this. Like, how does ransomware on a system create a pipeline issue? Like, in my head, like, there shouldn't be, shouldn't, uh, bad term in security. In my head, the, the, the pipeline itself, sh- at least should have you know lots of manual controls and manual like overrides and all of these things and like why would a ransomware attack and what system would a ransomware attack have to hit to create this kind of outage i don't i don't understand why that's even a thing one aspect they have to contend with is that 
when you have a, a pipeline like this, you're only allowed, you have to have visibility on the entire pipeline at pretty much any given moment. And if you lose that visibility for, I think more than 30 seconds, you're not allowed to continue to send yeah, but, material down that pipeline because there could be a breach in the line but with I the mean, fire. Not, but, not to disagree, but we had pipelines before we had the internet monitoring pipelines and computers that, I mean, it happened all before then. So I, I guess Rob, I think is getting at is why is this not more of a manual fail safe kind of thing on something that's critical? Like I heard people on the radio saying today, obviously didn't know what they were talking about, that all of this should be air-gapped, and then it should be a nationwide <laughs> push to air-gap all of the systems. Like, oh, oh Lord, I'm just going to turn the radio down now. That's kind of the um, the lack of clarity around the, all the different articles, is that some articles say that it, was, that it was disrupted. Some articles say that it was shut down to prevent disruption or to, you know, just as a precautionary measure. So uh, I don't think it's really clear at this point why it's shut down. I mean, I can think of a couple of ways. I mean, when you think about pipelines and anything like that, that's industrial equipment, you often are obviously going to be aware that there will be SCADA devices that are probably in play. And depending on what type of back end those SCADA devices are pulling into for monitoring purposes, obviously with computerization, we're, you know, reducing the, ma- the amount of people monitoring physically and manually. We're doing, we're relying heavily on systems. So if you actually had an ingestion of, say, ransomware into the back end and it somehow reached the back end database or the actual actual home application server where the data lives, you absolutely would lose visibility across the entire pipeline in the blink of an eye. Sounds like that someone sounds doesn't like... doesn't have a really good disaster recovery plan. I was gonna say that's what you call a bad day. Hey, hey at least they yeah, very, at least very they bad don't day. have to do a fake DR this year. Yeah, right. Do you honestly right? think that they did a free a fake one any other year? Oh well probably not. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's that's yeah. the one of the first I mean, things. So I've gone through. Sorry, I've gone through like my undergrad now, and I'm working on my graduate degree. And every step of the way, I have had what is a disaster recovery plan? What does a disaster recovery plan look like? What are the you know what are the things that are included in a disaster recovery plan? If I'm getting taught this in college online classes, there's a good chance that more prestigious or or well funded colleges probably have you know disaster recovery plans as as their main thing like why isn't this a a standard and what like why isn't the auditing body looking for disaster recovery plans being enacted i mean i think anyone i mean it's been you know more than 10 years since i got my cissp but i think anyone who's gotten you know a cissp uh i don't know i think half of my questions on the test were about business continuity and disaster recovery so it's certainly drilled in you know, from, you know, an InfoSec, you know, certification standpoint, yeah. right? So I think what it is, uh, is that the people who are still, that connection's still not made, right? But, but then again, I don't know, maybe, maybe they had a DR plan and that's one of the ransomware computers. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, here's the thing, though. You mean, I, you, I'll go right off what you just said. Business, business continuity and disaster recovery plan. Those, I mean, they're, those words are used interchangeably often, but they actually don't really mean the same thing. So, I mean, you need to have a business, you know, you're like from auditing perspectives, I've had auditors come into environments I've been in, you know, and, you know, Rob, you know, Rob touched on this, you know, they're looking for this. Well, yeah, they'll ask for your disaster recovery plan. But the reality of it is a lot of those auditors have never actually worked in an environment. So how do they actually look at that disaster recovery plan for your environment and even know if it meets all the checks, all the check boxes that it really should for that environment? (laughs) 
I mean, it, I mean, it's really hard. I mean, imagine if I so the checkbox is a is a do you have one? Not, you have yeah, one. Not is it no. good? You have one. Do you, you have well, one. But even if you say that, I've even seen before, and I'm I'm joking, but it's sad. It's true. Uh, you ask for the the plan, and you get handed a plan that's basically just a poem number. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, oh, well, I mean, you have you have it covered, right? So. Yep. The other thing too is that I'm, I might get blasted a bit for this, but when it comes down to it. Disaster recovery plans are like everything else, where ultimately there's a business decision. And if you're not going to make money off it, if, if you've got money to spend or limited money to spend and you need to spend it somewhere else, you're not going to spend the time and resources maybe on your disaster recovery plan or on the on the actual testing of it. Now, well, yeah, at exactly. least until you uh, get to the point where you needed one and then you'll later come back and be yeah. like, oh, we should have really have invested in that. It's too late. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the same goes with anything for security, right? Like I didn't have backups until I lost the photos for like my uh, a period of my life. Right. I started doing religious backups after that happened. Like I didn't do really good password security until my password was stolen. Right. Are you going? Are we going to have to like get every company? Man, hey, Rob, like, I, I was almost getting ready to say right before you is, uh, you know, it's all fun and games until there's like a real kinetic event, like a real, like uh, a real problem. I don't know if gas goes to six dollars a gallon. You think people will start paying attention? I, no, maybe. I think, no, I don't. No, I don't. <laughs> well, I'll just start buying Teslas. No. So what my, my what my question is is. How do we how do we simulate the punch in the face to get things rolling on disaster recovery? Because right now we have the punch in the face for most things cyber related by red teams and pen test teams and, and, and consultancies and stuff like that. There isn't there isn't a body of work that you can say, okay, we're gonna test our disaster recovery and if it fails, we know where to like fix it. Like no one wants that scenario because that can result in millions of dollars of loss, right? So how do you how do you as an auditor, how do you as a, a red team, how do you as a pen testing, how do you as a consultancy firm get people on board with with testing that to see if your business continuity plan or your disaster recovery plan work? How do you get them on board? Yeah. You, well, honestly, I mean, when you, when you, if you start to look at the, yeah, the, pipe, the pipeline issue, look around at all the hospitals that have been hit by ransomware in the past years where they've had to turn away patients because their whole back end is completely encrypted. So you know, refer it, them to news? Like, that, that doesn't well, always I mean, work. It, it is kind of sad, but I mean, it's, it's when, but like, when I would make the argument internally, I'd be like, do we want to be that company that just did this? And, you know, and that can get some visibility, but you know, honestly, you, you have to get buy-in from the business. You have to actually get them to understand just how important it is. And I mean, sometimes it's bad to say it, but sometimes an outage or an actual event is the best way to get buy-in and funding real quick. Okay, so how, without an outage, without pointing at the news, how do I talk to a business and say, this is what it's for, this is why we need to do it, and here's how we're going to test it? Um. Like well, those traditional, I, those traditional the, methods don't work. I mean, no. they do work, but it's not, it's not effective across the board, right? If like I had you, the real answer, I could make Black Hills a lot more money, probably. <laughs> I mean, I mean, one of the things I would say to a business, you know, and this is assuming <laughs> that I actually am familiar with the business at all. Like, let's just say, uh, I don't know, just let's pick any any hospital. Let's just pick any hospital. If I wanted to, if, I, if you wanted to talk to a leader of the hospital and say, okay. 
you know, we're, we're trying, we really want to help you do better in security, but I, I do have a couple of questions for you. Uh, how would you go about recovering and how fast could you recover if your, if your, if your entire medical back end was, was, you know, just say deleted for just, it's, let's just imagine that it's gone. You know, what would you do as, as a medical director of this, at this facility? You know, let's start. Let's nothing, start nothing's thinking happened about yet. It. So nothing's happened yet. So like, it, I'm not going to spend money on, on fictitious things. I was going to say the most, most common answer to that is that would never happen. Yep. Like the most, most common answer. I, I've heard that before. I've actually been told. I've actually heard that test, too. It's not going to happen. You can't do that. And then I'll go do the thing. And they're like, oh, wow. You did the thing. But why are they thinking that? Are they thinking that because they're under false pretense that their security is up to snuff and that they're covered oh, wait, from, you're, you're, from uh, those types of things? You're trying to inject that the, there's logic in the process. I mean, they're egotistical. They've been mid -man, middle management all their life. They don't really know. Like, I mean, who knows? Job security, too. Like, yeah. people don't want to say bad stuff and and say, we don't have this handled and possibly lose their job, right? Yeah, so, Ben Webb, that is a really good point. I used to work in the uh, banking industry, and that uh, was at the Sword of Damocles, right? Like, you can't mess that up. <laughs> like, you know, it'll come down and kill you. We accept Eric. the risk of all things. <laughs> For the uh, the podcast, people who can't see the video, it's uh, Ben is saying, where's the government regulation? Uh, because the banks regularly test the stuff because the OCC won't let them operate if they don't. Yeah. And I've actually been a part of uh, that kind of audit before. And I remember it not actually being easy and it wasn't a checkbox exercise at all. So, so yeah. we need, you're saying, so everyone's kind of saying that we need more regulation around standard business practices for security. No, I, I'm not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> That's for politicians to say. But it is funny. It is funny. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, if, if we're going to talk about, like, efforts uh, in, in, like, general society, I mean, I, I'd probably take a step back and get more kids involved in STEM and computer science and actually learning about stuff like this, like, much earlier. Not even learning, just interested. I've noticed with my two kids, like, it's – it's been hard to, to try and explain to them that moving forward in life, there will be two types of people, people who use technology and people who understand technology. And you want to be one of the latter. Mm. And I think that's what it takes. Yes. I think that like going forward, we just need more people who are capable of understanding and thinking through these kind of complex issues. Because, you know, I can't remember who said it earlier, but someone said earlier that like, well, I mean, I, with like a pipeline, like, or with a, a company, like it's a challenge to come in as an auditor who's not real familiar with like the actual business practices. Like one of the hardest things I've found as a pen tester through the years is understanding what the business does and what really matters to try and communicate risk appropriately. It's not an easy thing. I guess that's why everybody doesn't do it. I agree with you on the, the technology side, as far as, Using it versus understanding it and understanding why something works the way it does. I've kind of, I've been one of those people and I think all of us here have uh, been one of those people that love to understand the why to at, at least some aspect of the technology that we work with. And, you know, the friends and family that we deal with, not everybody is that way. They just want the, the easy answer into the future. It's going to be harder to, get just to the surface of this stuff. 
you've really got to, it's like learning a, uh, another language almost that's really multifaceted. And if you're not fluid in that language, it could, it could bite you. So let's, let's transition to another aspect of this, which is the attribution. I mean, we were talking about this before the actual cast started the attribution for dark side. So dark side and, and I'm just doing the transition. So I, I know that someone else said that they had attributed it to dark side. And then someone else had said that, that, it wasn't the case. There was some kind of purchasing going on. So if those two people can speak up and talk about that, that would be awesome because I think that was a great part of this uh, uh, aspect of this story too. You're talking about dark side as a service. Yeah. So there was, there's multiple articles out there and depending on which one you read, you get a different story. So some people were, were saying that dark side is a group and other articles are saying dark side is um, uh, 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 ransomware as a service platform. So now we're kind of like, which is it? Like, is it are they a group or not? Because the group is, is saying, hey, no, we just make the software and we and we rent it out. But the articles are saying that they're the ones actually doing the attack. Yeah, I heard this morning on the radio, so you know it was true that um, uh, that uh, it, it was like a Robin Hood scenario. Like Dark Side was stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. And I'm sitting here thinking, wasn't that? like the last season of Mr. Robot. Hey, no spoilers. <laughs> I haven't seen that show. Oh man. <laughs> I should watch it. I need to. Um, but so I, my, but, 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 but again, with, with, has there been like an official like attribution that came out from some kind of yeah, channel? Yeah, the FBI yeah. right there. It yeah. says yeah. Dark Side's yeah. one. Okay, but Dark Side, but that's what I'm saying is, okay, I, I thought Dark Side was the software, was the ransomware. Or so the group yes. and the ransomware are named the same thing. Is that true? Or is that like what we were just saying? I think that's where the confusion lies primarily is in the fact of like, are they a group or is it a software? So they're in this update, they're only saying that the dark side ransomware, particularly the, the software that they produce is the re- thing responsible for the compromise. So, ooh, cool. So ransomware itself is the responsible, is it can compromise systems? That's awesome. Where do I get well, that AI? I mean, well, I guess not Petcha kind of can, right? I guess I, I don't, I don't know. But I, 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 I guess I, in my mind, because I've done work like you know attribution work in the past, like you know malware is malware and groups use malware, and I mean, I guess you could name the two the same thing, but that doesn't really help kind of clarify it for other people when you're trying to communicate. So I guess that what I'm saying is, is are there aside from people just talking about things they don't know has there been an official this was russia this was china this was the north koreans this was organized crime anything like that i did see an article that said that it was linked or well let me back up that the software was somehow linked to being in russia but not necessarily linked to russia if that makes sense Eastern Europe is what I saw. To me, it makes it a much bigger like geopolitical story if it's firmly linked to a country that would have a vested interest in our oil industry taking some kind of hit. That makes it different than what I would traditionally consider to be like ransomware, which I always kind of, in my mind, thought more about organized crime and making money. I think they're being really careful at this point to not go there yet. Yeah, not cleared to know that. Yeah. Do you do you think that this is a a prelude to war if if it is a if it is a nation state well that is going to make 2021 a whole lot worse than 2020 uh, i mean on that same note i would venture to get to say probably not because now the the groups come out say hey we didn't mean to cause damage or cause any harm so 
But on the flip side of that, how do you create ransomware without the intent of causing some kind of harm? So I don't know, that seems kind of like a um, wishy-washy yeah, response. I, what is ransomware as a service, by the way? Like, I don't even understand that. Like, how do you have ransomware as, like, do they do the installs for you and support it once it's, like, so you just sign up and say, and you get a, like, is it, like, you can download this binary and this binary handles all the transactions and, and money transfer? Like, what does that even look like? Kind of, it kind of, according to some articles I was reading, you actually get, like, a custom executable specifically designed for your target. Imagine, imagine calling tech support okay. for your ransomware because it's not working. One eight hundred ransomware. So if if uh, this is if they also if they also are the broker for the money, I'm curious if like the ransomware if Darkside's the target themselves because if I can get onto the ransomware as a service platform, then I can I can put whatever I want in it, right? I feel like this is like the the uh, scene from the office space when they're trying to figure out how to launder money. Like yeah. they have a bunch of pen testers yeah. going, "How do you commit crime with a computer?" I put the devil <laughs> in the wrong place. Figure that out. I'm just saying, like you're you're as as a criminal, if you have a if you have a platform and it's a platform as a service sort of like situation, then you become the target. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess you could make money as the middle person there if you're, you know, doing the distribution of said ransomware, right? Like you're basically well, really just farming out the back end. I mean, have you ever have you ever seen a movie where the middleman actually gets away, like <laughs> like the person transferring the drugs to the you know the crime lord or whatever? Have you ever seen a movie where the person doing the like mule actually gets away like uh, they usually die it always ends yeah, those, are, those are the interns what would they? be really interesting is if you could infect the ransomware company with ransomware and hold them ransom <laughs> that would be classic <laughs> That's very meta i th- think we've beat this one to a pulp for now john will beat it up some more tomorrow uh, uh yeah there, there's gonna be more we'll probably have more for next week ben webb said no they only run this c2 and you do the installs yeah Oh, dark side you're talking about. Yeah. I don't know what that so means. What's, what's but next you guys up? do. Yeah. yeah, let's go to the next one. Get some exercise in your day with a Peloton. So I actually own a Peloton tread and a Peloton bike. And I did think when I got it, oh wow, yeah, you can get trapped under that thing. My kids aren't really <laughs> aren't really small anymore, right? But that's not what this story is about. Uh this is I adding on to the tread recall. And this is that uh Hey, a fitness app has some kind of insecurity. Who'd have thunk? Some privacy issues. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, it's all about social. Uh, it's also all about social partnership and, and communication, and, and you know, trying to beat the next person in your group or yeah. whatever. So, like, it's so, really, really hard to do can, that right. Sorry. Can we go? Yeah, can we go back up to what parts of there was one part of the API that they didn't call out because uh, so basically right what's there, happened here. Exposed. Yeah, what, what's happened here is they had an API that some of the endpoints essentially have what we would consider it looks like to be insecure direct object reference, where someone can go grab some data and uh, not necessarily be the authenticated user who is allowed to go get that data, right? So that sounds like what's happening here. So does any of this stuff look out like I would not want them to have it? As Rob said, the vast majority, it looks like, except for that one thing they didn't put out, if you were a part of the Peloton ecosystem, I'm not really sure that I care 
that you get it. You're probably sharing most of that by nature of the of the, right now so the question would be is okay if you have to have a peloton account okay so basically the barrier to entry to that is forty dollars a month right and so okay now you can get to the same data i guess i'm not really seeing like like to me this isn't as bad as like some of the strava issues that were uncovered a couple of years ago right where you had you know people at secret military bases doing you know running and tracking their watch yeah, tracking with their watch. <laughs> and then, you know, the geolocation data was available at Strava. And so uh, I actually did a, a talk with Dakota Nelson about it, uh, about something similar. We were scraping Strava data because they essentially had enumeration where you, without, without authenticating, you could just go and grab data just like this. So Strava had this issue a couple of years ago. Don't know if they still do or not. But I didn't. Re- we didn't really consider it to be... I mean, all you needed was a Strava account to see the data anyway. So so it's not like you're getting my password or my credit card number or something, right? So I don't know how serious this really is. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong though. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. Like I'm not I'm not seeing catastrophic tra- catastrophic failure in any uh, yeah. And it looks like I mean, when I was reading reading the article that that Pentest partners are the ones that found it. And they reported it, and it was an inadequate fix, and they're just kind of running with this story as, like, a way to get them to fix it, forcing them sort of full disclosure method. So maybe the real story in this one is not so much that there was an issue, but there was an issue that was known that they, you know, the article says slow response botched fix, right? I mean, two weeks isn't a, isn't a crazy amount of time, but surely in two weeks they should be able to come up with a fix. Wait, two weeks to fix uh, an API that millions of people are, are, are using? Ugh. Yeah, I don't know. Two weeks. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, look, I'm sure there, I, I know there are way better developers than I'll ever be, but two months, maybe, two two weeks, that's, that's a lot also of... Also, to push a fix down to the bikes, because the bikes are the ones using the API to yeah. read all that information? It's more complex than just like, oh, let's just change the code. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. Well, maybe we can do that when yeah. they uh, bring them all in for the recall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The bikes no, are recalled, just the treads. I do see one item here that it, it's interesting to me at, at a minimum. Um, it says if they're in the studio or not. Can you use that data for essentially location tracking? So from what I remember, I actually have been to the the, uh, the Peloton studio in New York. So if you went and got my data, you'd found that a couple of years ago that both my, my wife and I were there. I don't know that it would be like ongoing. And again, like compared to the Strava thing where I know your location. Okay, that makes me a little bit more nervous, right? But like the location of my tread and my bike, I'm pretty sure everybody can figure out where I live. You know, it's not a secret, right? So it, you'd have to go there frequently enough. And um, let's just say that it's not a, not a cheap membership. So I don't know. No, I, guess, I guess my <laughs> thought is, is like, I want to break into your house and I can use this application to know, hey, you're right. at your house yeah. or you're not at your house or you're somewhere else right now. And I know you're somewhere else right now. And I know when you leave that place. So I know to get yeah. out. I mean, that's that's the I only did, thing that I, I see as an pick- option. Yeah, I didn't think that it that that part of the data was a log, more of a bull. Uh, like, is it true or not currently? In right. So, or not. like, I I don't think that it's a log that you can access it. Um, so no, it just I'm really is, wishing that I had reverse engineered the API years ago just to see what was there. Right. If that's true, then that makes a lot of sense, actually, Rob, because there is definitely a different experience on the end user side. Uh, from the electronics perspective, in studio versus at on a home bike, they're different. 
Yeah, so, so. I, th- I I still think that the are you home or not kind of works there. I mean, I'm not seeing anything I'd call more than a medium in a pen test report. It also um, doesn't tell. It also doesn't tell you if anyone else is home. Like if it's if it's like ADT or or simple or not simple. What are the other uh, like home security systems like or, or Ring and stuff like that? Yeah. Ring, uh, it's, if it's, it was yeah. them, where it could tell you if anyone was home or not, then it, I think it would be a bigger deal. But you know, not so. Yeah. I get your point though. All right, I move on to the next one then. I've got something here for Cisco. Software-defined WANs. They could. They resulted in uh, the command injection, right? Yeah. the The problem with the problem with a lot of software-defined um, networking is that there isn't really good authentication around it, and sending in updates to the software-defined networking to say reroute traffic or or. It's essentially responder in a, in a way <laughs> that that most of these newer devices, newer like Cisco routers and, and other switches and stuff like that, where they accept software defined networking functionality. And for this one, it's specifically Cisco Hyperflex. Uh, Hyperflex. The issue really um, boils down to is that. Yeah, a successful exploit could allow the attacker to execute the arbitrary commands on the affected devices as the Tomcat 8 user. So in there, their Hyperflex is actually running on Tomcat, and it's, it's essentially the oldest trick in the book where you can you know run new jar files inside of the software, right? All of the software-defined networking stuff is, is really, really bolt-on onto existing software and other products. And so like all of the all of the older attacks still come around. And a lot of the times it's Dockerized and super old. Right. So, yeah, this one's this one was interesting to kind of look at. But, you know, it really doesn't have a ton of like specifics to the like the the modification of the software defined networks. It's more along the lines of the management software itself. But again, my original point is like. This the SD software or SD networks SDNs are super insecure too. Oh, if you want to start doing software defined networking at all, um, Proxmox has it built into it. All right, let's move on to AirTags. Another hot buzz issue. Somebody has already hacked their well, AirTag. I'm gonna have to get me some AirTags because we were only talking about this a couple of weeks ago. Why? <laughs> well, just to, to to play with them, you know, to like, you know, why? I, I just like, mess around with them. I got tiles. They do the same like, thing I'm I, looking at online right now. <laughs> I got tiles. I got a bunch of other like tag related things just because, you know, I thought as a consumer, I'm going to use this. It's important. Like uh, that way it's easy to find stuff. None of that has ever worked well. For but this me. is Apple. Like at at best, at best, it was a interesting you know, play like toy for a little while. It never actually helped me find a hid, uh, a lost item, even though I have lost items with oh, with man. tiles and other things. <laughs> That's in disappointing. Yeah. I like I'd always thought about my. I I tend not to lose things, right? But my wife loses everything, and I've wanted to get her something like this for a while. And you know, so I get her one, and then I get me one, and then she can actually use it, and I'll try and break it and see what happens, right? But. uh so you're saying they don't work as like an actual product. That's disappointing. Well, well I, I, I mean, guess go ahead. 
the thing for me is like because I did the same thing. I mean, I, I got the tile and I, I was like, yeah, this is this seems like a good idea it, at the time. It did anyhow. But the problem I always have with the tile was that there is so little buy-in on the network and it only works if everyone has the application installed. So you could leave your keys anywhere, but if nobody walked by and they didn't have the application on their phone, it wasn't going to do any difference. So the only thing that for this stands out, I'm like, this might actually work better just simply because everyone who has an iPhone is now buying into this network. They're now working on this. And at the same point, though, Apple is where, totally where, where are you going to lose your item that you're thinking that you're going to lose where it's not going to be one in a lost and found two actually stolen. So you're never going to get it back or three in your house where you can find it yourself. I bought some air tags well, for my well, house because I am constantly misplacing my keys and taking me 20 minutes to figure out where I put them. So that's there's one reason thing, why I bought these. There's this thing called a bowl. <laughs> that works in theory. If you, if you get a bowl, I have hooks. you put it. <laughs> there you go. I don't have a bowl, but I have hooks, but they don't always end up there. Sometimes I leave them in weird places that uh, I would not think that I put them there. So. To an extent, uh, I hear what you're saying, Rob. You can, like, train yourself out of needing them, but... Yeah. No, so, but seriously, like, other than your house, where are you going to lose something that this can help you? It depends well, on what you're connecting them to or, or attaching them to, and, you know, it's going to okay. be a, a person-to-person sure. thing. Sure, give me an example where this could happen, like, and it be attached to something, anything, anything. Pick a thing other than your, you know, significant <laughs> other, um, <laughs> or your cat or dog, which right, they're not really designed for. Up. But I, I, I did find... buy one for the for the the dog and the cat oh, anyway. A pet would be that. an outside pet would be good. So just yeah. in case. when I find the downstairs remote at the restaurant with my AirTag, I'm totally going to let you know about this. Well, actually, I, I have a little bit of an example. For a while, I had a tile clamp clipped onto my backpack which had just various gear in it and i would drive around from place to place and working on one thing or another and occasionally i would just set the bag down and walk away and go to some other site and then it's like crap what site did i leave it at and i track track all the way back in theory if i could just look on my phone and it'd be like oh yeah you left it at this site yeah you mm. shouldn't leave your stuff lying around but i now know what site it's at that's about the only example i can think of off the top of my head though and it so could save you some embarrassing phone calls to try to track down which basically which location did you leave your crap at? Although the other one would be in the spring and fall. If I could put one of those in my jacket so I know where I left my jacket, that would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> we packed it away in a box somewhere. It's in the attic. I just don't know which one. So both the, <laughs> the uh, battery tile... on these things, the battery on these things, they're going to go dead. So both the uh, tile and the air tag, you know, work on this mesh network thing. How long until these things have uh, LTE modems, GPS, and well, I guess, uh, what else do you need? You know, some power? Well, they they run on on a watch battery. AirTags have a, a battery life of one year as long as its battery usage is low. Mm-hmm. So if you don't constantly use it to find it, right? So if, so, if you're not like yeah. me that loses the keys every three days, it, they might not, uh, the battery might not well, last as long. If, if you're, you're just like going to be replacing it more often then. Yeah, but, but at least they're user replaceable. But that's Are they? besides the, the point of security. Why not? Okay, so, oh, it, it's just the standard 1816 or the 2020 whatever, the oh, simple battery? Yeah, it's a standard battery. 
I think the tiles were not. You just threw the tile away, bought a new tile, it worked out. But yeah, but you got to go buy a new tile every time you. Although, like, I was seeing some stuff of uh, 5G having enough transmitter power that you could start using it for wireless energy, possibly, supposedly. Joshua says 2032 battery. Uh, Yeah, it's a C2032. Yeah. So, like, I don't lose. I don't know. Like, the. the, You're just better than us. That's all. We're we're not as perfect (laughs) as you. I'm not. No, I'm just saying. Like, I have, I have lost my backpack. It was stolen. I have lost my wallet. Yeah, I left it on a plane, and it was returned to me by the airline. Like, it wasn't something that I could have air tagged it. Like, I found it because it was in a different cut or a state, right? Well, yeah. not necessarily. If 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 that state has uh, iPhone users and they have uh, range within your bag, it'll ping that, and uh, it'll end up on your on your phone as it's right. been but found. How in this would area. that have? How would have that have helped me, right? It was, it was like the, the air crew who found it, picked it up and, and put it in the lost and found, then the lost and found sent it back to me and shipped it back. Like, like that all works already, right? So why, why would I need an air tag to tell me that the lost and found had it? If, it, if I knew if where it I'd lost it. If it didn't work, somebody stole your bag, didn't find the air tag in the bag, and you found the location, yeah. So here's here's the deal with that. I so I had my backpack stolen back a couple of years ago. I knew exactly where it was because my laptops had uh, had um, some stuff on it that told like called back to my like MDM solution and stuff. I knew the IP and house where these things were. I called the police, told them where it was. They didn't do anything. Like they they went over to the house. There was no no backpack to be found. That was the last. Like, like, there's only when it's stolen. There's only there's only very little you can time because right? they couldn't prove right they're not going to show up. Still to... there, right? Is that why they couldn't do anything? Well, they couldn't get a warrant to go look in in the house. You have to have more than an IP address and an, and, and uh, some geolocation to convince the cops that somebody stole your backpack. And it sounds like that we all really don't like the idea of an air tag, but look, what the researcher did was cool, right? So instead of the phone opening up the find my whatever device, right? It opened up his own personal URL. Now, if you couple that with one of those fancy, you know, zero days that cost a million dollars, open up this website and compromise an iPhone, then that can be kind of fun to have a group of people together. And then you just go drop the air tag and compromise all the phones. Just because, you know, they're most likely going to be opening it with an iPhone. So, I mean, it's a targeted attack for sure, but I mean, that's, Kind of, kind of fun what he did. So wait, so so let me let me roll that back real quick. He has an an air tag. He opened up the air tag and added some kind of change to it, where he or she or they, and they made it so that when you marked it as lost, it would show up on everyone's phone saying, "Hey, here's a link." So it sounds like yeah, interesting. Like that could be really targeted. Like yeah, you can send be- that in the. You can send that in the mail. Yeah, right. Exactly. That that would be kind of fun. I so, do think it hmm. transfers it over NFC, so I think you have to actively like scan the tag, but but yes. Oh, yeah, it's not a real, pop-up okay. on the phone. A random pop-up. I'm just I'm putting this into my back pocket for the uh next time I have a physical <laughs> in the future at some point. I really love the physical tests. They're fun. Oh, I thought you meant going to the doctor. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know a physical penetration test, but yeah, I do have one of those doctor. coming up too. I just want to say, if I was modifying this though, like the first thing you'd do is hook up the uh, like chime functionality to like a magnesium strip or something, and then you have a you know automatic uh, self destruct device. It's like the virtual, it's like the virtual yeah, die pack. That's about the only modification I can find useful with it. Someone steals your backpack. Someone steals your backpack, and you don't like it. Just light the magnesium strip. Jesus. Exactly. And unless it causes damage to them, and then they sue oh, you boy. after they steal your stuff. I didn't say it was the smartest idea. I just said it was an idea. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right, we got uh, here's how about one final link to wrap it up. Skirtreachers hack a Tesla from a drone. Are we scared of this? Yeah, so uh, me and Dale were actually talking about this a little bit. It's actually a little more interesting than it initially looked like, but essentially there is a SSID that all the Teslas are programmed to connect to. And then once you do that, uh, once you have them connect to that SSID, you can actually start exploiting the uh, MCU with like a buffer overflow attack. It's it's interesting. The drone so, is mostly for dramatic effect, though. So Scorpion, the show, is not as bad as we all thought it was. Is that what we're saying? Like, because they pulled a, a uh, uh, what was it, an Ethernet cable from a flying airplane from a running, a driving car, right? I didn't see that one. No, no one watched the, no one watched the show. Oh wow, I'm showing how old I am at this point. I guess I didn't see that one. (laughs) No, but I was thinking that this sounded like an episode of Leverage or something, though. Right? Yeah, there you go. Oh, Leverage is coming back. By the way, did you know that? No, I didn't. I have to rewatch them. I haven't seen them all. I've caught them. Time and time again, but like, yeah, I'll have to catch that. And so, I have to go make dinner. You all have a nice evening. So if 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 I can attack it from a drone, I can attack it from pretty much anywhere, right? Like, it doesn't have to be a drone doing this. I could be next to that car in another car. Yeah, I mean, or just drop a rogue AP connected to whatever callback you want, and yeah, it just it doesn't really matter. Anything that can broadcast an SSID, essentially. Man, so think about so one of the things about the um, about DefCon is it used to have this um, contest where you would uh, test to find how far your network connection can have over eight hundred two eleven, and I think the the longest shot between two points was something like five miles, and so for eight hundred two eleven, right? So wireless eight hundred two eleven, and like. For it to happen, I think they needed both both receiver and sender to both be like highly high powered antennas slash receivers. But think about it this way: like, wouldn't it be interesting to have like like a WAN or a, what is it called a Metro WAN, like some uh, like a large antenna pushing out these these kinds of attacks? Right, you'd have every single Tesla just stop in that area, right? So that. Could that does does Tesla or did any anything in here to have a solution for this or a backup for this where instead of doing anything like over once the overflow happened, it came to a complete stop or it had a, a solution where it would slow down and then come to a complete stop or or have you know manual takeover or anything like that. Like this hopefully that this this didn't create a, a scenario where you can like slam on the brakes because of the over the overflow yeah i mean i hope so i I didn't specifically see it called out but i hope so 
we were discussing yes. that like in theory you don't want the doors to just automatically start opening while you're driving down the interstate either like yeah you hope there'd be some sort of checks in places as like hey these are not ideal conditions for this right now yep. something has to happen yeah and that's actually a really really great conversation that i'd love to have on this podcast sometime is self-correcting security when um when you start to we're getting to the point where policy is code you know infrastructure as code is kind of becoming the the narrative that's going through the different you know verticals inside of cybersecurity and i think that once once we get there once we're pushing that we're we get to a point where we're doing like auto correction and, and or not like spelling on your phone cuz that's horrible but like auto correcting and auto healing infrastructure and Amazon kind of already does this, and that's a great model to go off. And Google already does this; it's a great model. Netflix already like does this with Chaos Monkey. They've been doing it for God knows how long. And I think that when we when we we need to get to a point where the the cybersecurity pieces of enterprise infrastructure is also self healing, self self correcting, right? So if a password breach happens. Like you have systems that ingest that information and automatically push out to the system, the, you know, who is the owners of those systems, identify all of the impacted systems, then change the password, then automatically inform the user and have them auto log out, log back in with the new password generated. And then each one of those systems subsequently gets updates and, and, and logs say, Here's the seven places where, you know, abnormal logons happened and all of these functionalities so that, you know, at the end of the day, the security people don't have jobs. Like that's that's the goal, right, is to get to the point where we all don't have a job anymore because security is not just solved, but like automated. And I'd love to have that conversation. I mean, I think, yeah, I think it's uh, I like the idea. Don't get me wrong. I just think that, like, as soon as an executive gets their password randomly submitted, that whole system's getting shut off as soon as it as soon as it possibly can be. Wait, what's a, why? <laughs> That's a fantastic question, but it's the same reason why if an executive's you know, like, but- "Hey, I, Facebook," sometimes Facebook gets allowed. I'm not saying that it's going to be in your you know Fortune 100 businesses necessarily, but so I, you're I don't saying you're it saying that out of a job soon. You're saying that a. You're saying that if an executive had gotten their password automatically changed and reset because of a breach, that they would be upset at that automation and and want the want it to stop. They'd want, uh, they'd want themselves excluded is what would happen. Yeah, they would they, they would want excluded because they're an executive. It's like, an inconvenience to their day. That's you know anything that you know impacts their day in a in a way that they perceive as negative. It's not going to matter. I mean, I can tell you, I've seen this right, right, right. over and so, over again. So, well, I mean, I've worked in places where it's a full Windows environment, but the executives get MacBooks because they're executives. It, it's the same line of right. logic. Right. Okay. So what I'm saying is, and and I get your point of view. I absolutely understand it because because user experience in security sucks. It's trash. Like it is horrible. And that's why we have a problem. If we created a scenario where we have, you know, coders and user experience people in security doing these kinds of things, I don't think it would be much of an issue. I don't think they would notice. 
And that's the goal. Like having the password reset where they're currently logged in and and have, you know, the app they're logged into crash or 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 just refresh all of a sudden with their new password and they get a message saying into their, you know, password manager that a password has changed and they don't care because they just use their fingerprint. Like that's what we need to get to where they don't notice the change. And so we don't have get to, it to that point. Yeah, then I yeah, sounds like Blade that'd be Runner. awesome. Sounds like Blade Runner. It's just a lot of work to get to that point. <laughs> no, it isn't. It's it's not a, a lot of work. It's just you have to have people on your teams and and your your to like have that vision and go towards that vision instead of just saying, Yeah, we we need to exclude the executives because they'll ask for an exclusion anyways. Like that mindset is kind and I'm not you know, I'm not pointing fingers at you, but like that mindset in general in InfoSec is why we have so many problems, right? Is oh, because, I agree. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no Anyways. no offense taken that way. I agree. I, I don't think that's part of the solution. I just I've gotten that request plenty. I yeah. you can't you can't right. ask an executive to reboot their it's computer without them freaking out. Definitely a tough road. It's, it's a tough road to sled. And I mean I actually have been in a situation where I've tried to put things in place, and I absolutely had the mindset that, no, I don't care who you are. You're going to do it this way. And, you know, then there's the, when the reality hits the wall, that's when it's like, okay, well, I don't care what you want. This is how it's going to be. It's like, well, no, we can't do it for you because then, so, then you're an exception. And it just turns into a whole dialogue, you know. That's, and that, honestly, that's also where when you talk about big companies, that's when the boards of big companies need to just take the mindset that we're going to hold – the company accountable. And if we have a problem at a, at a corporate level of security and it boils down to the CEO or, or any particular high level exec, then that high level exec is going to be packing their bags and taking a walk and their golden parachute is gone. Yeah, I'm saying it shouldn't get to the point where we need, where we need martial law to get things in security. We've, we, we've had that and the, and everyone hates us. And now, because of all the news, everyone has to deal with us. We need to get to a point where we are coworkers again instead of like the law. Yes. Business yeah, business partners. You know, it's a partner. That's really what it needs to be. And I totally agree with you. It really needs to be like it's just like it's kinda like if you think about it, Infosec's kinda going through the, the stages that IT went through in the late eighties, early nineties, you know, where you know they really weren't really a business partner. They were more like, you know, we needed to do this and do this now. And now, you know, IT is kind of getting to the point where they're more of a business part, but now you have information security, which is kind of in the situation that IT was originally. It's like, yeah, we want it to be secure, but, you know, no, don't, but we can't do that because that interrupts with the business. So we have to kind of really begin to, you know, to lay the tracks and, you know, do the legwork and, and build and, you know, build those relationships. I just think we need to get out of the out of the mindset that we we need to force things down people's throats. If we do our jobs better, if we point back at ourselves and say, we need to find better solutions, we have to stop accepting BS from vendors because because they're the only ones out there. We need to, you know, expect features from vendors and, and we need to do better to make things user friendly and, and accessible instead of, you know, I coded this thing last night. It's the coolest thing since sliced bread and it works for me kind of bullshit. Like that's what we need to do. We need to point back at ourselves. That's where it kind of the trick lies is that no one's willing to take that stance on against the vendors yet and say, Hey, 
I'm not buying your product because you don't have X, Y, Z in it. So until we have enough people who are not buying the products, the vendors are just going to keep shoving out the same stuff oh, yeah. that they're doing right now. I'll tell you one thing. If, if a vendor comes at me and doesn't have 2FA capabilities, like that's instant no, right? Like, and that's security vendors. And, and the problem is a lot of security vendors don't have 2FA yet. Like, and because they're not required to. And, and it, it, like, that just, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, I, I agree with you on that. As a security vendor, security yep. should be a forefront. That's the whole security component of right. the business model, right? It's, for a long yeah. time, for a long time, Splunk, like the resource for everyone's data, right? Like the that that logging platform everyone used didn't have 2FA. So me as a red teamer, I would go after their Splunk instance and just search for password equals and like find passwords just strewn about everywhere. And so like... Like the fact that we, as as, uh, anyways, this is a long rant. It's time I'm to wrap this up. I'm gonna let this go. This is we have a show. We've got an hour long show. It's been great. Uh, if you Good want call. more pipeline down your pipe, check out tomorrow's webcast down your news pipe. Wow, down your news pipe. That's really gross. I missed a word. Sorry. <laughs> Never mind. I'm gonna move on. Let's just send it. Here's the yeah. video. Just, just cut to the end.